catch you with my death bag. You may think I've gone insane, but I promise I will kill again! Hello, everyone. Welcome to Damn Fine Podcast, the show that, for now, at least until May, is revisiting, reanalyzing, reviewing the TV show Twin Peaks in preparation for its return to television. I'm Tom Merritt. With me is Ron Richards. Hello, Tom. I'm I'm rocking back and forth in the fetal position after this episode. Dude, uh, you know, we talked about two episodes ago being sort of a, a could be considered a mid-season finale. Also, yep. this episode could be considered a finale. Oh, man. Uh, there's, and of course, there's only one way we could deal with the stuff that happens in this episode, but by welcoming back Connor Kilpatrick. How you doing, Connor? I'm the hawk to your Truman and Cooper, so I had to be back for this one. Man, we need you. We need you. We Ron, need you. Ron we would not come you. out of his corner without you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's. Uh, do we want to dive right into it? Yeah, let's, um, uh, let's get right into discussing this episode, which is, of course, uh, <laughs> arbitrary law, or as I call it, all about Leland. Yeah. <laughs> What's so arbitrary about this law? There's nothing That's arbitrary. <laughs> there's virtually no law, to be honest. <laughs> well, there's 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 mention of lawyer. We'll get to that, but yeah. So yeah, I suppose. Uh, yeah. So this episode aired on December first, nineteen ninety, Saturday, December first, uh, and it was directed by Tim Hunter, and it was written by the triumvirate of Mark Frost, Harley Payton, and Robert Engels, the the A-line of writers, yeah. all now, came and, together. And sometimes when I see three writers on a story, it makes me lower my expectations, but man, that was not necessary in this episode. Yeah, no, it was, it was not. Uh, a quick note about the director, Tim Hunter, um, established television director. Uh, he's directed episodes of Breaking Bad, uh, Mad Men, Law & Order, who hasn't, America Horror Story, um, but... He also directed 1986's *River's Edge*, uh, and oh. we talked about the, we talked about this the first time he directed an episode of uh, *Twin Peaks*. This is not his first episode, uh, but Tim Hunter, I, I think this guy's a good a good director, and we, we're going to find out in this episode. He certainly showed his chops here. Um, did, what did you say? Everyone's directed. Law um, and Order? Yeah, *Law and Order*. Yeah. Everybody's Con- di- either directed it or acted in it. Connor's been in it. I've been in it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did one episode of *Criminal Intent*. Um, I was behind the camera for Special Victims Unit. I mean, yeah. right? I mean, kind of. You spent all those. You spent all those years in New York, so of course yeah. it's going to happen sooner or later. Right? Just, yeah, you just walk across the street. the street. You're in an episode. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, do you want to direct? Yeah, sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah, come in. Um, uh, I got five minutes before work. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this episode is coming down from the ratings high uh, that we had just experienced. Uh, this got 12.4 million viewers. Which, by uh, the way, is ridiculous. That is a failure <laughs> of the promotions department that this episode <laughs> came down. Well, if, well, yeah, if you look at it, so episode seven was the big reveal, and that's yeah. what they did the newspaper as. That got 17 million viewers. Episode eight, last episode, got 13 million. Now we're down to 12.4, and you're right. They should have promoted the hell out of this. I don't know what was going on. Yeah. Um, but also, five million people decided, eh, I don't care anymore. Yeah, exactly. I'm, exactly. I'm already, in my head, I'm like, you know who did it, but do they <laughs> find out this, you know, right. like. Oh, or they Tom, will. You, now they will, or something like that. Like something. Yes. And something to spin the. Remember, we talked, Tom. We talked last episode about how now that we know that Leland is Bob, the the role the audience plays is different. In that we're not having things revealed to us at the same time as Cooper. We know stuff Cooper doesn't. So like they could have they could have pulled the audience totally. in. Lean into that. Yeah. yeah. But but they didn't, and so therefore Twin Peaks came in second at ten o'clock in the time slot. Uh, Carol and Company holding strong at nineteen point nine million. Her ratings, by the way, are rock solid. Yeah, it if is, you like Carol, you come back every week. You don't leave. It's a it's a steady nineteen million every week. It's crazy. Uh, Twin Peaks in second with twelve point four, and CBS bringing up the rear with Wise Guy with an eight point five million. Oof. Viewers. Oof. Yeah, so. Uh, it's a tough time for Ken Wall. Well, and you're starting but, to get in the early holiday season. You know, people trickling yeah, exactly. off to different things. Yep. So, all right. So this episode's perfect for that. Merry yes. Christmas, everybody. Ah, family reunion. <laughs> Inside of one man. All right, well, before we before we jump into it, I want to say that uh, in preparation for this episode, I didn't sleep last night very well. <laughs> I, I had I literally had stress dreams about having to rewatch because I, I since you had last stress dreams before rewatching it. Yeah, but since since last we spoke, I I didn't I haven't watched. So this morning I watched seven, eight, nine. So I got oh jeez, Lonely Souls and oh, wow. this one. And so 
thinking about that, I couldn't sleep. Seriously, I couldn't sleep. I was very weird. I don't, perhaps just watching this as a 12-year-old or however old I was originally was a bad idea. Clearly, I'm, I'm scarred for life. Even as a much older man, I can't get over it. Yeah. I, I, uh, well, um, and, and Connor, we, you and I were talking about it earlier, and part of the theme continuing from the reveal that Leland is Bob is that how great Ray Wise is as Leland – but uh, interesting footnote on this episode. This is the episode that got Kyle MacLachlan the Emmy nomination. Yeah, for yeah. best actor. So, yeah, sure. uh, so Ray Wise didn't get nominated, but Kyle MacLachlan did. Ray Wise was robbed. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Talk, I think we'll talk about that more later on. But he's really robbed or bobbed. <laughs> Bob. Oh. Robberted. <laughs> uh, let's let's kick it off. Uh, for, for we've we've basically had Maddie dead for a couple episodes now, and uh, finally we're on the crime scene at the beginning. Uh, wonderfully directed shot of the four lawmen uh, walking, long shot through the trees, ending on the letter O from the ring finger uh, that has been, you know, we saw it go into the finger and now we're seeing it come out. Uh, The discovery of some white fox fur in Maddie's hand. So that's interesting. We don't know really what that's about. There wasn't any dead animals that we saw when she was murdered. And then Cooper telling Harry not to do anything. Don't tell anyone, give him 24 hours. And then Albert uh, getting another wonderful Albert moment uh, tells Cooper to go on whatever vision quest you require, find this beast before he takes another bite. And then Cooper realizing, he's like, God help me, I don't know where to start. And yes, Connor, being the hawk of our of our trio here, <laughs> hawk steps in and says, just follow. Yep. Everybody's leaning into it. I, I was, you know, if, the arc from Albert's beginning to now where he's like, basically, go on whatever dream quest you need to go on to solve this murder. It's, Pretty, it means it's pretty intense at this point. They don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and this scene, I mean, this scene just started it for me out of the gate, not only in, in terms of this, the the seriousness of Cooper asking for the 24 hours, Albert, like you mentioned, Connor, Hawk getting involved in it. Because up to this point, Hawk has been very, Hawk's a doer, right? Hawk's yeah. not, you know, not getting involved in the what are we doing, why. He's he's going to get the one-armed man again. He's going to Harold's. He's doing stuff. But now he gets involved and gives Cooper the motivation. But on the direction side of this, um, you know, we, it's it's a known fact that the the episodes Lynch directed are the best, yeah. right? But I got to give Tim Hunter a nod with this episode, and right out of the gate with the, with these shots, every a- shot is on that diagonal angle, like the Kenneth Branagh Thor mm, movie the angles. Decanted angles, yeah, yeah, the decanted angles, right? The shot of the four of the of Cooper, Albert, Truman, and Hawk walking to the crime scene was very Tarantino esque in 1990. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, like that was my kind of takeaway of it, like these two guys in suits and these two other cops and they're walking slow. Like it, it was really just a great scene. And, and it just kind of it's, it, you know, Hunter might not be David Lynch, but he comes real close in this one. There's also a lot of low angle shots in this episode, too. Yeah. 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 He's, he's definitely has a visual style. The other directors don't necessarily have. Now, my only complaint about this shot is that as they're walking, it just like I'm like, oh, that looks like L.A. <laughs> I mean, knowing that they're shooting in LA and not in Washington anymore. Like later in the episode, there are some scenes that definitely look northwesterny and all this stuff. But the, this one, wherever they are, I'm like, that looks very LA. Let's yeah, LA. probably you know the big Hollywood sign in the background. And that would that's a dead giveaway. Yeah, yeah. this guy selling star maps <laughs> off of the corner. <laughs> Uh, I, I do like that, that Albert sets this up as a vision quest because this entire episode is Cooper's vision quest. This is not an evidence-based investigation at this no. point, and Cooper knows it. Right. Yeah. Do you think right. any of Cooper's cases actually get, get closed or like he goes the, to trial? By, and by, just the, go, by the, do, Or do they even go by the book at this point? Well, they just go to trial. The judge is like, you have no evidence. What is, what am I, <laughs> yeah, what doing? Either, either the, the, uh, the perpetrator dies in custody or gets the, the case gets thrown out of court. It would seem like the two likeliest scenarios. Listen, listen, especially Agent Cooper, I understand you had a dream about the defendant, but that is not admissible in this court. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Sir, if that is not admissible, then I don't want to be a part of this. 
Uh, all right, so so we go right from there. That's a pretty heavy hitting scene uh, to the diner, which starts as a, perhaps a break from the heavy hitting. Uh, the the lights go out. Uh, didn't pay the electricity bill, so that causes <laughs> Vivian and Norma to start having a little fight. Uh, James is happy because of last night, so we Annie bought John a ring, so it's all lovey dovey. Uh, Norma complains nothing is good enough. Vivian suggests she makes omelets in the in the double are with white veal sausage and morel mushrooms uh further revealing that vivian has no idea where she is uh, <laughs> and then andy's eating some pie and repeating in french for those of you paying attention you already figured this out i am a lonely soul and donna overhears it and suddenly uh she wants to know why andy is saying that line that harold wrote and Andy mentions that Harold Smith left it on the suicide note. Uh, although I, I take it back. Donna doesn't know that from Harold. She knows it from a different source. Uh, so Donna says she needs to find Cooper. And we end on Andy just repeating in French the line one more time. Scooby gang's back in action. Um, when this scene started, I had no idea where they were. You, know, oh, you didn't know they were in the giveaway. diner? Yeah, yeah, the table. The, 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 ta- the table. Well, no, I know. Oh, right, because they're, they're super dark at the table. You're right. It was a really weird lighting. It's during the day. Like the, it had, it was using daylight, not fluorescent, and it was just like, and you couldn't tell it was the diner. I mean, I assumed, but I was like, uh, for a moment, I was like, is this a new location? Like I thought that you know, and then we realized that it's the diner. It was just a weird setup for this shot. Well, this this episode has some issues with time and and light and. Yeah. If, if, if we're still on the one day per episode thing, this one is really confusing. But uh, it was the weird thing to me was it's, I figured, OK, are they there before it's open or or what? Then they walk over to the rest of the diner and it's lit normally. I just, why right. is that one corner so dark? That was weird. That was weird. Yeah. I felt like and they, they and- were not shooting in the same location or something and they were trying to hide it. Well, or I could get that, like, hey, let's mix it up. Let's shoot by the window and, you know, or but it's a set. So I don't know. Yeah, it's very strange. But um I, 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 so James and Don did, James and Donna did it last night, right? No, that, well, did play trivia? Right. They played, they played Trivia Pursuit, you know, the genius edition. Yeah. Um, and, no, I mean, like, James was really happy because he won. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I liked James's babbling when he go he goes to buy her a ring, and the ri- the ring salesman had really big hands that he didn't know what size she was, and then oh, it fits. Yeah, like was, was I'm pretty sure I can eyeball ring sizes because I'm I hate James. James. Yeah. I hate James so much. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh God. Uh, but I like the the, the prescient uh, Vivian, Norma's mother, uh, talking about moral mushrooms, which are now a huge uh, culinary she trend way, way 20 ahead. years later. The white veal way sausage, ahead. I don't know that it had Ugh. it today. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. But um, but weird little just – I mean like Andy as a just a, a, a vehicle to get Donna aware that Harold passed away. I mean, Channeling I guess the, the yeah. other world here. It's kind of spooky. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, because well, no, because honestly – well, no, it makes sense though because the trigger – you know, the, the we find out in the next scene. But the, yeah. the French line, I'm a lonely soul, goes back to the tree months. Yeah. Well, and that's where Donna recognizes it from. Uh, and so it's one of the few times that we go right from one scene to another with a direct connection. Donna has found Cooper – uh, Andy has tagged along, apparently, after breaking out of his trance, and they go to Mrs. Tremont's house, where we saw the creamed corn and the mini David Lynch, and a different <laughs> lady, a blind lady, apparently, comes to the door. They ask for Mrs. Tremont. She says, well, I'm Mrs. Tremont. Uh, and then Donna says, oh, well, it must be your mother. And this Mrs. Tremont says, oh, my mother passed away three years ago. Uh, and Donna mentions a child. The woman says, well, she didn't have any children. Uh, she recognizes Donna's name and says, oh, I have an envelope for you. It was in my mail the morning after Harold died. I meant to give it to you, but apparently she forgot. And it's a page from Laura's diary, uh, February 22nd, to be exact, where she describes Cooper's dream. Red room with a small man, old man sitting in a chair, old man being Cooper. Uh, She says she wanted to tell him about Bob, so she whispered the secret in Cooper's ear. Bob is only afraid of Mike. And she says, I wonder if that was Mike in my dream, meaning Cooper, which I thought was a nice little touch of like, that's actually probably what Laura would have thought, right? Then we get February 23rd. Tonight is the night that I die. It's the only way to keep Bob away from me. If I die, he can't hurt me anymore. And of course, Cooper says, 
Laura and I had the same dream. This is the Chilly. first scene where I get sort of getting freaked out. Like this is where it be, and it starts, the scenes start happening very rapidly now until yeah. you get to the, the big scene in the middle. But for some reason in my head, I've broken this show into two groups of characters, one that deals with the supernatural and one that's sort of in a soap opera world. Yeah. Yep. So for me, when Donna's, excuse me, crossing over and she's being exposed to the supernatural, it was even more weird, like disturbing because she, to me, she's sort of this innocent character off to the side, even though she's been involved in other things. That that came up when we talked when when the episode where she met the Tremons when Gabe Hardman was yeah. on, and we talked about how this kind of didn't break the rules, but yeah, kind of pulled Donna into this world that she wasn't a part of and and doesn't have a lot of participation in. Well, and you see Laura as sort of the icon of incorruptibility, right? Prom queen, beautiful, dating a guy on the football team. And the whole compelling part of Laura's story was that she had this whole other side. And so what's extra disturbing is when Donna gets pulled into this, you feel like it's happening again. You're like, uh-oh, right. does this mean we're right. going to see Donna pulled into this other side? Right. Also, um, it was weird to how he had her read it, I thought. Yeah, that was that was that was odd. It was, read it. That, yeah, read it. Read it for me. Well, what was funny? So there's a couple a couple of things here. So um, when Donna doesn't recognize Mrs. Tremont, and Cooper looks at her and goes, "Didn't you deliver meals here?" And Donna just gives him a look, like, "Well, I yes, I did, but once. apparently it was a portal to hell. I don't know. Yeah, yeah what are you supposed oh, to say God. that?" Um, and just quick note on Mrs. Mrs. Tremont in here was played by May Williams. Um, who was only in uh, a handful of things, uh, most notably an episode of Too Close for Comfort, where she plays house- housekeeper number two, <laughs> and, an, and an episode of My Three Sons in 1961, oh, where wow. she plays that she plays a nurse. So oh, uh, yeah, real real deep casting. And that's the resume Tremont. that they're like, yeah. you're perfect. You're in. Yeah. So oh oh oh. By the way, the the, the guest stars will get better later in the episode. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just want to note on that. So, so Cooper <laughs> ends this scene by saying he has to go see Gerard. Calls him Gerard. I thought interestingly, yeah. even though the 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 pages of the diary refer to Mike. And next we're in the Great Northern. Cooper's there. Doc Hayward there. And of course Mike. Uh, Doc Hayward is arguing that Mike needs his dosage or he'll die. Uh, but Cooper wants to be able to talk to Mike. He doesn't want him to go back to being Gerard. Uh, so he starts pressing and Mike says, appetite, satisfaction, golden circle, a ring. Uh, and of course, obviously this means the ring that Cooper gave the giant, uh, can help him find Bob, but he needs to ask the giant and Cooper's like, well, how do I do that? Mike just, of course, enigmatically ends it by saying, you have all the clues you need, indicates that the answer is in Cooper's heart. Uh, and then as Cooper leaves to go search for his heart, uh, the old man with the milk appears in the hallway and says, kind of reprising his lines, I know about you, that milk will cool down on you, but it's getting warmer now, which honestly, as much as I like this character and the echoing of the lines, that felt a little bit on the nose. It's a little obvious. Well, it, it actually makes me think of going back. We, we haven't talked a lot about um, the Log Lady intros mm. to the episodes oh. that they filmed in the late 90s, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, and so for the, for those who don't know, when um, when Bravo started rerunning the show in the mid '90s, they got David Lynch to come with the Log Lady and record intros to the episodes. And th- these also are they're on the DVD and the Blu-ray. So if you're a fan, you've seen them, whatever. But uh, the one, the intro for this episode reminds me of Senior Drool Cup saying, "You're getting warmer now," because the Log Lady, which presumably this is written by Lynch almost antagonizing the audience. I have the text here and it says, so now the sadness comes, the revelation, there is a depression after an answer is given. It was almost fun not knowing. Yes, now we know, at least we know what we sought in the beginning, but there's still the question why. And this question will go on and on until the final answer comes. Then the knowing is so full, there is no room for questions. And it's almost like Lynch going, you really wanted to know, well here. And that's and and the, the the you're getting warmer is kind of like the snarky side of Lynch going. I don't trust you to figure out that we're getting closer, so I'm going to help you along. <laughs> oh, I I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with that necessarily, but I do think it's in the character of the old man in that he's a corny old guy. 
Yeah. And he sort of but, speaks but, in, in mm-hmm. cliches. But he's also channeling the giant who right. is trying to help him right. along. He's, sure, not, he's the old man familiar. got the upper yeah. hand on that and was like, I'm yeah. going to put McCorney in here in the giant's <laughs> message. Yeah. Uh, and then to yeah. finish this scene, we actually end up in Ben's office where Truman is there and Cooper is noticing there is a stuffed white fox, which, of course, casts the suspicion back on Ben. Uh, ben did call Laura, or at least a call was made from Ben's office to Laura the night she died. That has been verified, as stated in the diary pages. Uh, and they decide to tell us that, oh, we took him into the sheriff's office after the range in which Maddie died, so he could have killed her before we grabbed him. And then Albert delivers the blood test results, which we don't find out. <laughs> How... Well, because well, you want to know what they are, right? Like, I felt right. when when the the you're getting warmer line. Admittedly, whether you think of it or not, it, it got me excited because I'm like, ooh, yeah. it's like it's we're getting momentum. The blood test just continues that. But how giddy is Truman in this scene? By the way, oh yeah, he, he wants Ben bad. Yeah, yeah, he's he yeah he's cr- he's cracked the case. He's like, listen, he's the, he made the phone call. The time lines up. Like Truman thinks Truman's like, this is my moment to shine. I think the only thing that bothers me about this blood test is we don't get it paid off, really. Like no, we well we do. I mean, it's the it's it, the, it comes up much later in the episode. Yeah, it's, it's so far down the road that it's almost it's almost irrelevant by that time. Right. But it's it's the fi- it's the final it's the final piece of the puzzle that Cooper needed to do everything else. Right, and we just you know? saw Truman being so excited, and it's the thing that will yeah. undercut him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. All right, so we're back to the sheriff's department, and a man is fixing a sprinkler, which is very important for a later scene. Otherwise, you were like, why is this man fixing a sprinkler? Talking to Lucy. Uh, and then, of course, Lucy and Andy start talking, and the, then you get some comedic effect of having the sprinkler guy there, because Lucy says that maybe the baby is Andy. Uh, Andy calls Dick Tremaine, and he says he needs to talk. That is if you're not too busy. Like, he's being real tough, Andy, until right that moment. And you can see And, Lucy. and I like how, how Lu- yeah, Lucy's getting excited by it, and then, yeah. she, then she deflates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we cut over to Mr. Tojimura, uh, who's back. Now, we all know she's Catherine, uh, but Mr. Tojimura is visiting Ben. Uh, ben explains a snag has happened on the Ghostwood Estates, because he doesn't know yet that that's Catherine. Uh, Tojimura says, well, if there's a snag, I want my $5 million back. Uh, and then Ben tries to weasel out of that while Tojimura takes off his shoe and starts showing <laughs> Catherine's foot with painted nails sticking through the bars. And, of course, Ben recognizes it. Catherine? Uh, and then, of course, she says she wants to make his life a living hell, but he doesn't care. That just turns him on. He starts kissing her foot. And then Ben eagerly signs Ghostwood over to Catherine, who says she'll consider telling the sheriff uh, that he was with her the night that Laura died, but why spoil it with the truth now? And of course, Ben then, then finally is not turned on anymore and starts yelling. I think this, this scene shows that why Ben's a successful businessman other than being a, like a sociopathic criminal, but he's really good at sales. I mean, even in this, even in this position where he's in prison for murder uh, and in this, where this, this partner wants their money back, he, whips up a good story. And if it hadn't, if he, if Tojimura was a real person, it might've worked. Um, it's impressive that you realize why he's actually a good businessman in, in addition I, to the crime. I, I did like his dancing uh, on when he didn't know that she, Tojimura was Catherine and like, you know, like his pacing and explaining it and all that sort of stuff. And I like that Catherine just, she doesn't want to hear about it and, and just, and stops it with the toes. Well, but, and, um, and, and furthermore, when he finds out that it's Catherine, he's surprised for a moment but he rolls with it fast. He's like, ah, oh, yes. well, okay, try, oh, yeah. time to change he, tactics. He, yeah, he's able to switch and zig and zag when he needs to. He goes back um, to the sex angle. I, I do got to say one thing. The, the close-up on Tajimura's face does nobody any favors. Well, my question was, who's doing her makeup? <laughs> Right, exactly. Because there's like a lot of stuff packed on there, right? It's like, well, at this point, we as the audience all know. So maybe they're yeah, like, yeah, they, let's they just can, show that. You yeah, know, this is yeah, this is horrible. Ben's an idiot um, if he doesn't recognize. I want to step outside of the jail and go back to the uh, Lucy Andy. Oh sure, yeah, uh, yeah. So there, there's a repairman fixing, tweaking the 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 smoke detectors and the sprinklers, right? And he's talking yeah. to Lucy, saying they they got to be set just right. And that play that it was one of those things where like remember this, right? Oh totally, but, uh, yeah. But Otherwise, the, uh, there's no reason for him there. Like when he first shows well, up, I, if you haven't watched this episode before, you're like. Okay, that's just a, one of those weird lynchy things, I guess. 
No, but that's, it's, it's that's like, what's so great about it is because it is a weird Lynchy thing. Is that you don't know it's going to be important because up till now, one of the things they, this show does a lot is they just put weird stuff in the background to distract yep. you from what's happening in the foreground. Like the beginning, maybe it wasn't this episode because I, I watched three in a row. It was with this all the sailors. Yeah, right. You know, yeah, in, yeah. In the, in the lobby, it's sort of like it, their tactic is to put a weird comedic thing in the background, no matter what's going on in the foreground. And this is a time that actually paid off later on in a very right. dramatic way. So I, so, I actually love. It. Yeah, and so important to note that the the repairman's uh, character name is Mister Zipper. <laughs> Why did he get a character name? No idea. Um, and he's played by Clive Rosengren, who, as far as I could tell, was the Forrest Gump of television in the nineties. Just in this everything. dude. This dude was on an episode. Uh, ready for this? He was on an episode of Quantum Leap. Uh huh. Char- Charles in Charge. Cheers. Who's the boss? Perfect Strangers. Right? He was in Bugsy. He was wow. <laughs> he was in he was in the TV version of A League of Their Own. Do you remember that, Connor? Oh God. He was in Ed Wood. Huh. He was in he was in Cobb. He was in Beverly Hills 90210. He was in Party of Five. And he was in continues the trend of Twin Peaks actors being in Seinfeld. He uh-huh. was in two episodes. He was in two episodes of Seinfeld as different characters in the same year. Huh. And to finish this all off, he was in uh, one of the most underrated Tom Hanks movies of all time. Ah, that, yes. That Thing You Do. So, uh, great, great career for just a guy in the background. Great Mr. agent. Zipper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. I, I like that they find these little folks. And Mr. Zipper is a great character name. <laughs> all right. I know what you're trying to do, Ron, because nobody <laughs> wants to go to this next scene. I get it. No. <laughs> no. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about Mr. Zipper, Zipper some more. Some more <laughs> Uh, oh yes, we show up at the Palmers and Donna has showed up and Donna has decided to wear Laura's shades because Donna has suspicions. So Donna doesn't pay attention to them. I don't know. Uh, she's dropping off a tape of the song that Maddie and her recorded with James that which, none of us which can is, forget. Which is just mean, which is just like, right? <laughs> like, listen, <laughs> but also if she tried to give me a tape of that song, I would try to kill her too. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So so she knows that there's something up with Maddie. She suspects that maybe it has something to do with the Palmers. And of course, she sets Leland off because of the glasses. Uh, Donna then lights a cigarette uh, because so now she's weird. she's becoming bad. Donna mentions to him that they found Laura's secret diary. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Did you Why? know about it? Sure. All fathers know about their daughter's secret diaries. Well, and he says, I, oh, no, they found the diary. She's like, oh, no, let me make it very clear. This was a secret diary that you didn't know about. I literally wrote in my notes, what the hell, Donna? <laughs> That's not what you wrote, but yeah. Like, come on. Like, oh, it drives me crazy. Uh, so Leland is creeping on Donna, and we're all shouting at the screen. And then the phone rings, so Leland has to go answer the phone. Uh, Donna's teary-eyed. So she knows. She knows something is up. Uh, You hear Leland talking to Maddie's mom, Beth, uh, denying that anything is wrong. Like, oh, you know, she left here. I don't know why she hasn't shown up. Leland then tells Donna, oh, Maddie never made it home. Weird. He then straightens his tie and offers her lemonade. And as I'm looking at Ron's notes, Bob in the mirror, Bob in the mirror, Bob in the mirror. (laughs) Bob, Bob, Bob. Um, One of the things this scene has that always freaks me out on the show is the slow camera pan in which it comes around to the mirror. And you you know what's coming um, and you can't stop it because it's coming. And every time you know, it's just going to be scary once it stops. And this is another an example of that. It's just and and like it was funny because as Leland was 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 you know adjusting his tie and they're doing the slow you know come around to the mirror I was like maybe they won't show it this time maybe like <laughs> this is gonna be a fake out but it was like oh but um oh man it's just it it is so much about this scene is just like and and going back to the tape like Donna's bringing the tape for him to mail it didn't he just say. You can write her if you want in, in the episode before this. Yeah. So, like, yes. uh, yeah, but I know it's just a means to get in. Also, if she's snooping about Maddie, didn't the night Maddie died when it's happening again? Wasn't she in the roadhouse and she starts spontaneously crying? Yeah. She just yes. detected, yeah. So it's, yeah. Ugh. Donna anyway. should know better than to go to this house alone, is what all of or, the indications are. Or it's right, typical Donna Scooby gang behavior. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't know that she does. I don't know if she knows. 
for sure until this moment that this is where the danger is. I mean, she started mm-hmm. crying in the roadhouse, but yeah, no, I don't think she does either. Disturbance yeah. in the force kind of moments, but this is like, oh shit, I made a big mistake here. Yeah. Um, well, that's well, about yeah. to be cleared up. <laughs> <laughs> because Donna is look as we come back from break, uh, it's really one continuous scene, but there was a commercial break in between. Donna is looking at Laura's picture and Leland comes up and starts touching Donna's hair uh, and has the lemonade and then decides to put on a record to lighten the mood because Leland and records and dancing are never a problem ever. Uh, <laughs> ever. And then as the music plays, we get Bob screaming uh, he turns around and he's Leland. Uh, Leland starts dancing and then asks Donna to dance. And I pretty much thought the first time I saw this episode that Donna was dead. Like they're like, oh, they're now they're gonna kill Donna. Yeah. Well, they kept and skirting that, to that edge the last couple of episodes. Yeah. And now they're really there. Yeah. Uh, Leland and, and, grabs and, Donna and smells her hair, and then the doorbell rings. Uh, Saved by the bell. And. And you still don't think Donna's off the hook because Leland says, "You st- or sorry, Bob says, you stay right there. Uh, and it's Sheriff Truman asking for Leland's help, mentions the murder. So th- th- what got me about this was the straight up horror movie trope yeah. of Laura looking at, I mean, Donna looking at the photos of Laura and Leland creeping up behind her and her turning around scared and the music, you know, playing to that. Like even I was like, ah, and, and every time it cuts to Bob, like Bob, the Bob scream and the lightning bolt. Oh God. And the the thing that got me was that, you know, Laura, we, we find out what happened to Laura in fire walk with me, which we'll talk later on in this run of podcasts. Um, and we saw Maddie, which happened at night in the Palmer living room, but this is broad daylight. This is the middle of the day. Yeah. Bob's getting like, I, like I was going to say, is Bob getting sloppy or yeah. a little, a little, he's, he's he, he needs it. You know, yeah. it's like it's, he's, he's snowballing now. He needs the next kill. And he also yeah. thinks Donna suspects. And so there's a practical yes. reason to get rid of her too. Right. And also Donna's channeling Laura now. Yeah. And so he's, he's killed She's yeah. Laura, the girl that looks exactly like Laura. And now the girl that is basically trying to be Laura. So yeah. it's, it's, he can't resist at this point. Right. And you got to wonder if Donna was always in his sights or if just her showing up, then he's like, oh, I'm going to take advantage of this. You know? Yeah. No, it's a, it's uh, a fair question. I, I think it's kind of a combination, you know, yes. of, of all of those factors. He's being he's being opportunistic right now. But yeah. I think he's always been thinking about it. Bob oh. is impulsive. He's an impulsive yeah. guy. You know? <laughs> Uh, all right. So so we cut to Donna out walking on a road and crying. Uh, not sure. I guess Sheriff just takes Leland away, and so Donna just takes off on her own. But she didn't drive there? I don't know. Anyway, uh, somehow James tracks her down, and they stop at a picnic table, and Donna delivers the horrible news that Maddie is dead. Uh, Donna says it's the same killer, and Donna has a suspicion now who that is. And then James, of course, being an understanding and loyal boyfriend, tells her that this isn't good, nothing matters, and he's going to leave. James sucks. James is the worst. <laughs> That's in my notes. James sucks. In big I wrote letters. James is an asshole in my notes. Yeah. Um, maybe in addition to saying I'm upset because Maddie's dead, also mentioned I'm upset because Laura's dad just got super weird with me in his living right? room. Right. Right. Guess what I just figured out. <laughs> Even if he's not the murderer, he's probably just tried to sleep with me. Right. <laughs> At the very, the very best case scenario is he tried to have sex with me in the living room. The worst case scenario is he almost murdered me. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of things you can be, be be upset about Maddie, but also mention maybe perhaps maybe no mention of that, and it's just like, and and now I really question me being hung up on trying to figure out how James knew Donna was there. Maybe that's not as important, but still, I, I, I actually respect where James ends up, right? Yeah. In feeling like, oh, if you try to be happy in this world, it just falls apart. But he just jumps there. He doesn't get there. He doesn't start crying. He doesn't, you know, he just goes right to like, oh, well, I guess then I'm not going to be with you, Donna. It's it's a big time teenager stomp storm off. Yeah. And he you is know, a teenager, like, I suppose. He's a, yeah, he's a teenager. And you heard that song. He's all constantly in pain. Right? <laughs> he's emo. I mean, yeah, he's emo. He's emo. Yeah, he's emo like in the, in the nascent days of emo in 1991, 1990. Trailblazer. 
But, um, you know, and and the like, I can't handle this, you know, like and and I get the sense that that he feels, you know, like they like another like literally two weeks after Laura dies, another girl that's close to them dies and you feel somewhat responsible. I get that. But don't leave Donna by the road. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, we just found out that our, one of our best friends, who was the cousin who looked just like our best friend, has died. See ya. <laughs> and I made out with her, and we all went on adventures together. Life's too hard. You can't yeah. spell emo without James. <laughs> oh, gosh. Somehow. All right. All those letters are silent. <laughs> All right, so so main event time, right? Yeah, uh, moving oh. clouds uh, leading us into the roadhouse where lightning bolts. Uh, oh. Yeah, where we then get the lightning bolts. Uh, ben is at a booth eating nuts. Cooper and Albert are at the bar. Truman and Leland come in. And as you noted, Ron, nice crane shot here. Oh, beautiful shot. Yeah. Beautiful shot. Oh, great. Great time for a crane shot. And the roadhouse gives you the, the clearance that you need for that. Cause it's a bit, you know, it's high a ceilings, big, big, high ceilings. Big, exactly. Big frame. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, Leland then asks why they're here. Is the killer coming? Ha ha ha. Cooper says, maybe, then some, for some reason, Big Ed arrives. Um, <laughs> I guess it's a bookhouse boys thing. Cooper asks everyone to clear a space in the center of the room. Uh, apparently, that's why they needed Ed. Uh, I, I, and, and this is a total side note, Ron, but I made it in my notes here. Do you, what pinball machines are those over there? We, we, we talked about I it in a previous episode. Yeah, yeah, so, so there, there are two pinball machines to the right of the doors. And as everyone knows, I'm an avid pinball player. Um, the one on the left is called Shangri-La. And it's from 1967. It's got a nice tiki Hawaiian kind of feel, theme to it. And the one on the right is called Suspense. And it's uh, from 1969. And it's got very Saul Bass, Hitchcockian kind of imagery. Ever so since those you are, pointed those out in our earlier episode, they just oh. jump out at me. Yep. Oh, yeah. My eye went right to them. Uh, anyway, but the reason to clear everything around is that Hawk has now wheeled Leo in, followed by Bobby, and basically they're doing a Hercule Perot uh, moment. Yes. This is an Agatha Christie moment. He's going to name the killer. Yep. Uh, and what's what's funny is that when I'm taking notes, I, I start in the scene and I write across the t- the first line, "Who's in the scene." And it just, I wrote all the way to the edge of the page and I had to go down the side of the page. It just kept, they kept adding characters. To the I had that same note. Great. Have we ever seen all of these characters in the same room together Probably again not. or before or this, like you know, cause you once, right. Yeah. Trial? It's like every, may not even everybody like that. But, um, what, what I think I, I too laugh, like why big Ed showed up. Like, I don't really understand why big Ed showed up at all. Um, also this is, I guess it's a, well, we'll get to it later on, but I guess it's the middle of the day. So the roadhouse is empty and they just have free use of it whenever well, they want. That's part of my problem is that I think this episode really flies off the handle a bit on terms of timing. Cause if this yes, felt yep. like nighttime, I think the exterior shot was nighttime. Well, and then we get, and then we get a, sh- well, we get a shot of the clock. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. yeah so, so, uh, you know, so everybody is there. And well, the Cooper clouds says, are making it feel later than it is. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's so really the, only three. Yeah. Because, you know, Cooper does his little lecture about all the methods he's used. And and now he's he needs something, you know, he needs to tap into one more thing to figure this out and something that can only be called magic. Um, and of which, of course, Ben and Albert make fun of him. And, and lightning then, flashes when he says magic. Like, yeah. Yep. And um, yeah. And, and Ben kind of mocks it. And even I don't know if Albert's mocking it because Albert was supportive, but right. I don't think Albert, I think Albert can control himself in these yeah. kind of situations. You know, is this the best time for Ben to be an asshole? Right. Like <laughs> you're on the edge of going to jail for the rest of your life here. Uh, maybe don't be a dick. He's feeling, I like how he's feeling the oats of knowing that Catherine <laughs> could give him an alibi, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I, and I like how Ben, when everybody got up to uh, clear the room, Ben almost got up, but then realized it was taken care of and sat back down. Yeah. And just kept on eating, right? Yeah, it he was people. <laughs> and he's at the background over Cooper's shoulder out of focus eating the whole time, which I thought was brilliant yeah, as well. Yeah. 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 And what's also interesting talking about Albert is that Albert and I got to go back and verify this. But when I saw it, I looked at it. It looks as if Albert is pouring himself a drink from a flask (laughs) when he's when he's sitting at the bar. So like, yeah, so that's kind of cool, too. But um, Cooper says that there's, you know, one person is missing and the clock strike and we get a shot of the clock and it's 3 p.m. It's it's three. So going back to Connor, you're probably about times. It's probably three in the afternoon. Yeah. But then later in the episode, we'll get to it. It's just the timing is all off in this episode. Yeah. Anyway, so. Well, and Tom, that's what happens when, you know, the forces of the spirit world are challenged. Just throws time out of whack. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so Major Briggs arrives with Senior Drool Cup. Uh, the old man asks Briggs uh, had apparently just stopped him and asked him to drive him there for some reason. Uh, he comes up, the old man, that is, comes up to Cooper and offers him some gum. And Leland notices it and says, oh, I like that gum. And then, of course, the old man who does nothing in this episode but echo his old lines or others old lines says the gum is going to come back in style. Uh, that, that gum you like, Leland, is going to come back in style. So we're echoing back to Cooper's dream again. And then we go into lightning freeze frames uh, and a flashback into the Red Lodge of Laura saying, uh, whispering to Cooper, and this time we can hear it, my father killed me. Oh, man. Which is, it's just, it's devastating, but also a little odd considering that, so the idea of the show is, is it a metaphor for horrible incest rape or is it a real thing that these demons are real and the show obviously says the demons are real so it's an odd thing for her to say my father killed me and not right and especially later late later it's just, in the it's episode. just better it's a more efficient way of delivering the message she doesn't have a lot of time yeah. in the red lodge connor <laughs> yeah you know yeah it's a great line yeah, and, and later later on when they're in towards the end of the episode when they're speculating about who has seen Bob and who hasn't, they do say that Laura saw him because she wrote in her diary, so she knew. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean this is a dramatic moment, and that's no, so it's great. great. But the, the freeze frames the, really once that starts happening, that's when I'm I'm done for for the rest of the episode. Oh God, the lightning freeze frame just gets you. It's just it's so it's so good, and the gum the gum moment. You know, when, as as soon as he says that gum you like is going to come back in the style, it's like oh, you know, like it it, it they definitely played us. They played us very well, like a fiddle. So. <laughs> so the giant appears, hands back Cooper's ring. It falls to the floor. Then Cooper eats the gum. He's back. The giant's not there. We're back in the regular world. He notices the ring. Uh, and then he surprises us as the viewer by saying, bring Ben Horn to the sheriff's station. And suddenly, as if they shouldn't have figured this out when Jerry was trying to be his attorney, why don't you bring Leland on as the attorney? Right. I guess it's not a conflict that he's under suspicion for the murder of Jacques Renault. <laughs> well, Jerry said, Jerry said that since Leland is, has his own problems, I'll be your attorney. But in this particular case, I guess it makes sense that, that, that he'd want Leland to come. Um, I, 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 after he tells, you know, when they say let's go and they take Ben and, and they leave, there's a shot of major Briggs, Leo, Bobby and big Ed. Yeah. It's and a like a low shot. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And it's just like, and it's like, well, that's a, that's a curious group. And he has my a couple of thoughts here. One is that major Briggs has been on the periphery. He, he delivered the message to Cooper a couple episodes ago, but this episode really represents major Briggs's rise to a key portion of it. So this was a nice way to bring him in. Yeah. But I, I want to see the moments after Cooper leaves when Major Briggs turns to Bobby and goes, son, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, why would, why would he, why is Bobby Shouldn't there? Shouldn't you be in school, son? Right, yeah. Shouldn't you be like, at football practice, maybe? It's three o'clock in the yeah. afternoon. Like, <laughs> uh, Well, you know, the FBI agent told me I had to be here. Come on, I had to bring Leo. But it's like, yeah, but okay, so why did you bring... Like, does he know that she's da he's dating Shelly? Does he know about I the insurance? Like, yeah. probably not. Like, right. I feel like this opens up. Like, Bobby's got to be like, oh, shit, my dad's here. Uh, <laughs> the whole thing is blown. Uh, I know. The, but of course, the uh, the scene finishes with Cooper giving a thumbs up to Senior Drool Cup, who salutes him back. Uh, and my only question at the end of the scene is if you've assembled everyone you think is the killer, and we know that without chemicals, he points, why isn't Gerard there? Because he'd probably go crazy on him. Yeah. And he and he was in bad shape early in the episode. He was basically in heroin withdrawal or whatever whatever yeah. they were giving him. Um, plus, he he knows it's not him. So that all that could do with putting Bob and Mike on the rooms together would probably be bad. All right. I'll allow it, I guess. I kind of feel like if you've got all the possible killers in the room and you have the one person who can point them out, that you figure that that out. And have him yeah, play. I mean, I, my my guess is either it's either a combination of that Mike was in too bad a shape to to do it. Well, and they did set it, that or, up. You're right. So yeah, or that Mike also blows the dramatic reveal because <laughs> Mike will probably wouldn't. It wasn't Mike there to stop Bob, so wouldn't he just attack him? I, I don't know how Cooper would know that, but well, yeah, they didn't probably, seem to worry about that in the Great Northern when they were parading everyone true. in front of him. So it's a good point. It's a good point. 
All right. Uh, Back to the sheriff's department uh, where they're taking Ben into the interrogation room. And of course, uh, Leland is uh, playing along. Uh, Leland Bob thinks maybe maybe he's made it out of this and is talking about starting bail proceedings. And then as they're approaching the interrogation room, Cooper whispers something to Harry, who doesn't miss a beat and nods. And Cooper and Harry toss Leland into the interrogation room and close the door uh, to which Leland doesn't play it cool this time (laughs) so so quick note to this is that as they bring ben and leland into the sheriff's office outside of lucy's kind of vestibule the clock reads 4 p.m so it took them an hour to get from the roadhouse back to the sheriff's station well we don't know how much time we were in freeze frame maybe right yeah sure maybe could have been a half hour when when bob's in control does he have a law degree Yeah, that's a good point. Does yeah, he know does Bob it? have Leland's legal knowledge? His knowledge, right? Yeah. Or did he uh, just pick it up like from being inside him the whole time? But like, yeah, he should he should just be like a really bad lawyer whenever he's in control. So, so the I like that idea. The um, do do we think this? I mean, the switcheroo worked, but do you think it worked as well as Cooper wanted it to? Like, pretend to put. Ben in and at the last moment like if Leland didn't try to talk to Ben and go after him would they have still pushed him you know what I mean like I feel like everyone had to drag him in front of the door listen can you come look in here for a second yeah I mean what (laughs) happens if they throw Leland in there close the door and Bob just plays it cool and he's like what's going on why are you guys throwing me in here like yeah yeah Bob, Bob's Bob's immediate reaction to start uh, stomping like James uh, is probably not good. And, but, uh, and howling and like could, wounded animal. I mean, you could yeah. say that's what Bob does, right? He's a wild right. animal, which is true. But he's played it cool plenty of other times while inside of Leland. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, Leland tears off his coat, goes crazy. Uh, Cooper tells Hawk to release Ben uh, to Ben's relief. Harry says uh, that they're still going to need stronger evidence. And Cooper says, <laughs> uh, well, how about a confession? Because obviously this raving man is in a perfect state to give us a admissible confession. Right. This this will hold up in a court of law. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the next I like they're s- jockeying for everyone's jockeying to look in the tiny window. That was fun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, the next we see is that Leland is in cuffs uh, while Hawk holds a gun on him. Harry reads him his rights. So they are following some procedure. Uh, Leland Bob uh, laughs and then is asked, did you kill Laura Palmer? He hoots and says, yes, like, you know, just like, okay, here's your confession. So we're done. He's just, uh, he's just confessed. Did you kill Maddie? He says, he he resists on this one and finally says, I guess I kind of sort of did. I have this thing for knives, just like what happened to you in Pittsburgh that time, huh, Cooper? Which is actually one of my favorite moments because we already know he killed Laura Palmer. This is all just dramatic revelation to the rest of the twin peaks town but that moment says oh maybe cooper has been touched by this before yeah. it gives you a sense of history in a larger cooper, world it's, yeah. yeah cooper's reaction is enough to make this freaky yeah. Uh, yeah that that was that was one of the keys in keeping me interested in this show is like okay what's the backstory with cooper what else has he been involved with it's why i wanted to see fire walk with me the movie when it came out uh, and then, of course, uh, Leland Bob uh, freaking out, saying it's almost nearly time to shuffle off to Buffalo, uh, which I assume means leaving Leland's body and going somewhere else. Uh, and Leland has a hole where his conscience used to be. Uh, Bob says he's going to pull the ripcord and watch Leland remember and then mercifully for the moment passes out and Harry leaves. And and Hawk is staring as he's leaving. Hawk uh, Hawk does not like what he what he smells in this room. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. But um, and this we talked earlier about Ray Wise deserving like Ray Wise in this scene. Oh, I mean this whole this whole crazy. interrogation room yeah. scene. No, it's uh, he is Bob and Leland. Like it, it's it's incredible. Ah. Uh, but we all need a break from Bob. So <laughs> let's go back to the cavalcade of Lucy and Dick Tremaine, uh, because oh, Lucy has put Dick and Andy on one side of the table in the conference room, announces to both of them that she's keeping her baby uh, and that she, you know, is basically like, I don't know which one to use the father. So I, I got to talk to you both. And then Dick starts trolling Andy uh, for a light, Andy realizes he doesn't have a light, and then Dick's like, "Well, I do, ha ha ha." And then Lucy admits that she's going to do a blood test after the baby is born because he can't do it beforehand. And Dick, of course, smoking his cigarette, links us back into the more 
insane things happening in this world as the smoke drifts up into the smoke alarm. So is this entire bit, aside from moving Lucy and Andy forward, yeah. only exists to remind us that the smoke alarms were tweaked earlier? Yeah, yes. I think so. Well, it, it gives us a pause, right, which yeah. is necessary. Uh, and it and it moves and it does move Andy and Lucy's story forward a nudge. But yeah, the mostly t- the timing of it. The timing of it is just very off. It's a jarring transition. That was yeah, my really first is. note. But yeah. at first, I'd forgotten why it was there. So I, I thought, well, they should have just taken this scene out or swapped it from the right. you know, put it before the other one. But I think Tom's right. You don't want like fifteen straight minutes of of Bob oh. in the, of the room. I, I don't a, think I, I don't think my heart could take that. Right. So this was this yeah. allows you for two seconds of thinking you're out of it, and then you get dragged right back into it, even even worse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then it's funny because it, because then in the next scene, uh, we go back to the basement in the interrogation room. There's a big painted on the wall, no smoking, and sure enough, what does Albert do? But light a cigarette. Yeah. So you kind of wouldn't need Dick Tremaine's cigarette to have set that right. off. Could have been Albert's. Right. It's like they were yeah. keeping their options open. Uh, out, they're outside the cell and Cooper is explaining his dream, uh, how it was all trying to give him tips. The little man danced in his dream. And obviously that was an allusion to Leland dancing. The killer was gray haired and Leland's hair turned gray. Uh, when Leland was a child, he lived next to a people called Robertson and Mike said, Bob inhabited his children, son of Robert, Robert's son. It's, there's a lot of stretches here, to be honest. No, it all, it all, it's all lining up. It's all lining up. This is. It's I want to see Cooper together. on the stand give this testimony. Well, even <laughs> yeah. spiritually, it's like, okay, so you you were supposed to get that the killer was great. Oh, never mind. Okay, fine. Yeah. Letters spelling Robert's name R O B E R T though. That finally, like, yeah. oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, and then we, f- very late in the game, uh, find out that it was in fact uh, his blood that we found, not Ben Horn's. On Laura's, so Ben could have been released a long time ago. I, you know, I'd consider a countersuit if I was Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and and what's fun, what's funny is so Eric Cooper explains it all, and Truman is skeptical and doesn't believe that this can happen. And that, and immediately in response to that, Le- uh, Bob Leland starts doing the fire walk with me chant. Yeah. Ooh. Right, which is which is oh, oh, oh I can't. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sleep tonight. That's it. Uh, From the darkness yeah. between two worlds, the magician longs to see one chance out between two worlds. I, I screwed up the first line, but it's yep. firewalk with me. It's that chant, and it's back again. Uh, and it's it's not as creepy as the first time we heard it directly, but it's pretty darn creepy because you know that's Bob saying it in Leland's body. And of course the smoke alarm then goes off. The sprinklers are activated. Leland stands and screams. We get a nice Frankenstein's monster moment here. He charges at the door and Harry is hurrying to unlock it. Uh, but by the time they do, Leland is passed out and bloody. Uh, and, and I guess not passed out. He's, he's, he's collapsed and bloody, but he is conscious and remembering uh, and and saying, oh, God, Laura, I killed her. I killed my daughter. I didn't know. Forgive me. I was just a boy. I saw him in my dream. He said he wanted to play. He opened me and I invited him and he came inside me. I mean, a lot of double entendre going on here, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, this is, I remember and as a kid feeling so terrible in this moment. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah it's the worst. Even now watching it, I remember viscerally thinking, because uh, at this point, you know, you don't know for sure is Leland good or bad. And this sort of says he was a patsy the whole time. And this is where you feel like heartbreak for Leland. Yeah. It's, 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 it's absolutely heartbreaking to hear what, what he went through. And, you know, whether or not, I mean, whether you don't want to take it as the metaphor or a literal in terms of what Bob did to him as a child or whatever, no matter what, it's just horrifying. And the idea that he hasn't been in control his whole life. No, and the, it, and the things if it's that metaphorical, do. it doesn't make it yeah. better. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, he said, when he was inside, I didn't know. When he was gone, I couldn't remember. He made me do things, terrible things. He said he wanted lives. He wanted others to do that he could use like they used me, and they wanted Laura. Uh, Laura fought them. So the, the idea is, like, maybe there were some others besides Bob that Bob wanted to let into this world, but he needed bodies. Laura fought them. They had him kill Teresa. Uh, and then, of course, Leland's wailing that he loved Laura. He loved her with all his heart. Uh, so we know this is establishing that Leland was not a bad guy, that all the right. bad things were Bob. 
And Cooper tells Leland uh, to face the clear light and Cooper starts guiding him into death, essentially. Oh, jeez. It's just, and, and my, my note in this scene, literally in my notes, is this is killing me. The music, everything. Like the, the they, they're playing the swelling Morris theme music. Uh, you know, Cooper guiding Leland to the see the light, and Leland saying he can see her and that he loves her, and like, and it just, oh, it just, it, 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 this broke me. Like, I finished the episode, yeah, and I went to the other room, and my girlfriend was like, oh, "Man, that was heavy," and I was like, "Yes, it was." Cause she, <laughs> she just heard it; she didn't watch it, but I yeah. was like, "Oh, it was really, well, it and, was disturbing." Uh, I mean, I'm not gonna compare a dog's death with a human's, but having oh. recently been there with my yeah. dog, having been there in the past with people, like that scene is powerful like it it's crazy it's it's rough it's rough yeah, yeah no yeah. And, and and the really the only thing that snapped me out of it is that with the all the water that is streaming down from the fire sprinklers uh makes cooper's hair look very 90s brit pop he <laughs> looks awesome the, yeah he looks I don't really want to undercut great the scene but his yeah. hair looks great yeah there's that sure. one shot of him and his hair has all got pushed forward from being pushed back and i was like oh man cooper's looking good like he could just step right into a blur concert that would yeah. be great <laughs> start opening so, for oasis any minute now. yeah yeah exactly exactly but yeah connor how did you feel about the scene did it break you yeah, I mean, this is another, I, I think, under three or four scenes I wrote, give Way Wise all the Emmys. Um, yeah, yeah. For the, it, all the different emotions he goes through in this episode, from uh, sort of pl- simple Leland to evil Bob to then remorseful and, and broken Leland, it was pretty impressive to watch. But this entire, the, the brilliance of the speak of the of sprinklers was that all the constant water adds a lot of tension to it because it's, yeah. a, it's just noise that keeps happening. Um, everything about this scene I thought was really and, great. This is as best you're going to get, I think, without having David Lynch direct it. And also there's a visual metaphor of the water yeah. purifying Leland before his death, you know, right. like washing away all that is Bob. And, you know, and so that and that makes and that, you know, that, you know, that begs the question in the next scene. But, you know, like Bob, Bob was not there when Leland died. So what happens now? And and, um, you know, the, the head bashing moment was that, you know, Bob trying to get out of it, trying to get out of Leland doing what he said he would do. Um, but yeah, Ray Wise just owns this and it's just like the fact that he's now gone, there's such a hole in this cast. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, how you don't give him the Emmy for this, right? Is he even nominated? Well, hold on. I was going to bring that up in the notes section, but we can talk about that now. Yeah, yeah. We'll hold Uh, off on that. Okay. Yeah. Hold, hold, hold. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, okay. That you could end this episode there, right? You You could. Absolutely. it It would, it would feel satisfying, but the the lingering question is one you just mentioned, which is where did Bob go? Uh, and so we show up in a park. Uh, Buffalo. He said he said Buffalo. I said right, I go to Buffalo. Yeah, literally, right, yeah. he is in Buffalo now. Uh, we show up in a park we've never seen before, um, which, <laughs> which I think is over here in Palms, in Los Angeles, possibly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and Major Briggs is on a path in the park uh, as Cooper, Albert, and Harry walk up to him. Uh, Harry, they, they start talking about the events, which I'm not sure why they're talking to Major Briggs about him, but okay. Uh, Harry is trying to say, no, it, there was no such thing as Bob Leland was just insane. He was like split personality or something, right? Uh, but then Albert points out, uh, because Albert is the rational one, Albert points out, well, people say they saw Bob, though. So what does right. that mean? Uh, and then, of course, Briggs uh, quotes Shakespeare about more in heaven and earth than is dreamed of in your philosophy. Harry's still having a hard time believing and then Cooper brings up very excellent point. Is it easier to believe that Leland would do that to his own daughter? Well, it's, it's a good a, scene. It's a good scene. And it's funny because it's like you need like after that scene, you could have ended with the credits. But I like that we needed this palate cleanser where these four guys are just like, what the hell did we just see? Right. Or I'm sorry, five guys, because Major Briggs is there for some reason. Yeah. Well, it's only Cooper, Truman and Albert before. Briggs oh, is Hawk not there? I thought Hawk, Hawk was there. Again. Yeah. I feel like doing paperwork back in the office. <laughs> yeah. Whenever there's Man, something happens, he disappears. Today. Everyone yeah, else gets to have the cool talk, and he's like, "Why am I doing the report again?" But right, and, but and also, where are they? Like, are they are they outside the the sheriff station? Or are they just in a park? You know where they are? I'm sorry, they're where they did the throw the rock scene. Oh, I guess you're right, huh? <laughs> yeah, they're probably right. They're probably right behind the sheriff station. Yeah, okay. okay. That makes Major sense. Briggs just walking around. Major Briggs is just there, and Major Briggs with the, with the Shakespearean quote. 
Well, you got to give him, you know, channeling Shakespeare, talking about Horatio and, yeah. and, you know, and, and say, you know, there's more to heaven and earth than what figures into our philosophy. So it gets very kind of heady in that regard. But, then he uh, up and leaves. Yeah. Then he's just like, I'm out. <laughs> yep, see ya. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we, this we is very interesting, but I got to go. Uh, uh, we finish up with each of them sort of reconciling themselves. Cooper saying, as a lawman should, it's our job to stop evil. It doesn't really yeah. matter if he was insane or not. It's this, our job to stop evil, and that's what we did. Uh, Albert says that maybe Bob is the evil that men do. Uh, I mean, you know, he's trying to come up with a, a, a rational explanation that maybe Leland didn't do it, but maybe evil possessed him, and that evil is somehow Bob. And then Harry, finally bringing himself around to thinking that Bob might be real, says that maybe Bob got away, wonders where he is now, and we finish off with a POV in the woods uh. of an owl flying towards us, freeze frame. Guys, that owl is not what it seems. That owl is not <laughs> what it seems at all. Yeah, so that's a suggestion that Bob is on the loose. Um, is he in the owl? Well, that's the I, weird thing about it is it sort of breaks the filming yes. rule on that. We're POVing, and then suddenly the owl is coming at us. So either there's two owls flying towards each other, or it's just Well, I was assuming it was Spirit Bob. Right, and he's like headed uh, to see. his next location, and he's like, "Oh, or he's going well, into the owl." I guess I'll stop in an owl for a minute. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think we're supposed to. It's supposed to be explain, explained. I don't know. I thought the POV shot in general was was not as good as other POV shots. Yeah, <laughs> like the effects of this were kind of early '90s, but yeah. Well, the but, freeze frame with the owl screech doesn't. Yeah, that, play. Was, good. that was good. Yeah, for me. Oh, it, it, you liked it, huh? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I do like ending on the owl because that ties it back to that. But yeah, I think the, the, the just the effects are just so early 90s. Yeah, yeah, me. definitely, definitely. Yeah. All right, well, uh, whew, that that was that episode. <laughs> yeah, oh, We made it through. So, uh, time to check in and give our notes for Diane. Uh, honestly, I don't have anything particular. I, I, I noted it all throughout the discussion. There was so little fat on the bone with this episode. Uh, I, I know you guys have something though, Ron, what do you got? Well, yeah, my just notice is that at the, at the end of the scene, when they're outside, Cooper has a bag, which I can only assume have donuts in it. And he's got a coffee and or I assume is a coffee, but he's holding one of those paper cups with the orange and yellow kind of flowers that I literally have not seen one of these cups since the nineties. Oh, and wow. these cups used to be everywhere. Yeah. If you go back and you remember them, there were, there were, two or three distinct kinds of coffee cups out there. There was the Greek, and maybe as a New Yorker, Connor, you can, but there's yeah, the Greek, yeah. you know, thank you, you know, thank you for your service, you know. The white yeah, and blue yeah, one, yeah. yeah the those. white and blue one, right? But the yellow, the white with the yellow and orange 70s-esque flowers, I, I saw that and that that drew me back. It was 1991 all over That again, makes so. me think of yeah. church basements for some reason. It's Yes, like yes, exactly, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were paper and they had the little handle that folded out and you could, yeah, so anyway, that, that, that was my uh, observation. I'm sure Connor's <laughs> got much deeper I have here. three notes for Diane. Yeah. The first yeah. is a philosophical one, and that is that this is the point of the series where it goes off the rails. Yep, this is the this uh, is the end, really. So once this <laughs> happens, they don't they don't really know what to do for the next spoiler fifteen episodes. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> which is going to make our job a lot of fun. Thanks, Connor. No problem. Uh, <laughs> two is that when they first put Leland Bob into the interrogation room, he rips off his jacket and tie, and he starts hooting like a wounded animal and he runs into the wall the concrete wall shudders because yeah. it's not concrete that's be no it's uh. how powerful bob is yeah. i think yeah. so you can see the right, light on the say. wall it, it moves <laughs> um and then finally uh we mentioned before ray wise totally robbed here he didn't get an emmy nomination at all the show got 18 in total one two one for costume design and one for editing um no no Supporting actor nomination for Ray Wise. Instead, these are the people that were nominated that year in <laughs> 1991 for supporting actor. Uh, Timothy Busfield for 30-something, David Clennon for 30-something, Richard Dysart for L.A. Law, Jimmy Smith for L.A. Law, and Dean Stockwell for Quantum Leap. And who and won? Timothy Busfield won for 30-something. And David Clennon and, and Clennon was robbed. I don't know. Dean Stockwell was nominated for the Leap Home Part 2 Vietnam episode of Quantum Leap. Oh, that was really good. That was, was a really good, good one. But yeah. Piper Laurie was nominated for supporting actress for some reason. Um, yeah. Well, because Piper Laurie is a big deal. Yeah. Because Piper I, Piper Laurie hadn't worked. She you know she won the I Oscar. Get it. Season one for sure. She was. Yeah. She, she got nominated both seasons. Season one for sure. Season two, I don't know if I. I think she got nominated purely because she's Piper Laurie. I get it. Also, uh, 
Kyle McLaughlin got nominated both seasons for Best Actor. But well, and if I if I had to say, there are other episodes where Leland is a scenery chewing character, right? Yeah. And that's not Ray Wise's fault, but that may have stuck in a lot of people's well, minds. Well, the thing is, you, you submit an episode. It's not based on the entire season. You submit. Yeah, but you, you know how that goes. People who've seen other I, episodes are kind of polluted by what they've seen. But this this stretch from the last from from the reveal to now, he is. He's amazing. He's, and, yeah. the, and the thing is also what I think is the interesting note is that Kyle McLaughlin is nominated on the merits of this episode. Which and is not, do, yeah, it's not right. the best do, do, Cooper episode. Yeah don't, get, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge Cooper oh, yeah. and Kyle McLaughlin fan, right? But I feel like in season two alone, there were better Cooper moments, and you know, I, particularly. And, and that bears out my thing, which is, yeah, you're supposed to vote on the episode, but a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah I know he's I so could. good. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, Ray Wise was robbed, as far as I'm concerned. If I ever meet him, I'm going to tell him that. Also, Ray Wise was only 43 years old here. Jeez. Wow. He's three years <laughs> younger than me in this episode. That makes me so sad. Oh, gosh. <laughs> why, do you do, why do you do that, Connor? Why do you do because this? Because I, like I like to do these things and then leave. <laughs> Much like Major Briggs. Like, oh, my shoulder hurts now. <laughs> oh, God. My hand is shaking. All right. Oh, well. <laughs> Uh, well, fantastic. Those are good notes. Diane, take them all down. Uh, folks, if you have your own notes that you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we read them all, and sometimes we even read them on the show. So send them to us, feedback at damnfinepodcast.com. You can also comment directly on the episodes at damnfinepodcast.com. Connor, thank you once again for, uh, you know, I think you're more than just a hawk to us, really. Well, yeah. Listen, you're, definitely, I, you're, you're moving into Andy territory. Oh, <laughs> That's fun. I okay. <laughs> can I be Albert, no. Albert territory? Well, wait. Hmm. I'll even take Major Briggs. <laughs> no, but thank you, Connor, for coming on You're again. Welcome. Thanks we for having me. So, uh, and you'll, yeah, be, and and you'll be people, you'll be back for sure. Uh, right? People want to find more Connor. Where can they go? Uh, I'm at ifanboy.com with Ron every week talking about comics on our ifanboy pick week podcast, and you can find me on Instagram at cs kilpatrick. Please do it. Uh, support us at Patreon as well. Thanks to everybody who makes the show possible at patreon.com slash damnfinepodcast. Uh, you take like less than a cup of coffee, less than even one of those Greek paper cup cup of coffees, uh, throw it to us for each episode and it helps make our lives better and keep these episodes coming. You can follow us on Twitter at damnfinecast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash damnfinepodcast. Thanks for listening to us and tune in next time when we'll cover episode seven. 17 dispute between brothers aka what do we do to keep cooper on the show now i'm tom <laughs> and i'm ron and there'll never be a dispute between us tom never never